Hello and welcome to Step Up Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to create awareness of governance issues that highlight the cost of corruption and its impact on service delivery. Our podcast is also aimed at promoting values that will help to build a society of people with integrity and provide solutions to service delivery challenges faced by everyday Nigerians. My name is Ulua Ferami Iyoda and I am the host of this podcast. On our podcast today, we're going to be discussing something very interesting. We're discussing how the cost of elections fuels corruptions in Nigeria. And we have two anti-corruption experts on our call today to have this conversation. Expensive elections in a nation where 70.8% of her people are living below $1 per day and 92% on less than $2 a day is a major source of corruption. The 2023 general elections are only 10 months away. And in the last three months, many political aspirants have declared for various public offices. Most prized of all, the office of the president. Now, think about it. From the ADC's 500,000 Naira tickets for the state assemblies to the 100 million Naira presidential ticket of the APC and the ongoing bribery of delegates that's happening in the country, it is clear that good, hardworking Nigerian citizens will never be able to gain these slots for public office. And that those who are able to pay for these forms have arrived at them through illicit means. Political parties have fixed fees higher than what the aspirants would earn as their legitimate salaries and allowances throughout their four-year term in offices that they are gunning for. So how do they pay for these forms? What can be done about this? Find out more as you listen to today's episode. Today on my podcast, I have two guests with me. Um, both of my guests combined have an anti-corruption experience of about 30 years, so they know what they're talking about in this conversation today. Um, my first guest is someone who you're very familiar with. She's the executive director for Step Up Nigeria, Mrs. Oni O. Um, and I also have a board member for Step Up Nigeria, who is also the country office partnership leads for the United Nations in South Sudan in the person of Ms. Ekanem. Basi. So thank you, Ma. Thank you, Oni. Thank you both for joining me this morning. Um, I think we should just get right into the conversation. So I'd like to ask, how would you say the cost of elections fuels corruption in Nigeria? And I'd like um, Mrs. Ekanem to go first, please. Yeah, I think um, th- there's no doubt in Nigeria that elections are really linked to the high prevalence of corruption in Nigeria, just the cost of elections. If we even look at the official cost of elections, in the last general elections, which was in 2015, INEC said they spent about $242 billion on just the elections. And we are not talking about what the individual candidates spent, the parties themselves spent. And their proposals now within the, um, the legislature is for 305 billion. Um, so there's even an increase for, for the election. So elections are really expensive ventures in Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria elections are even more expensive than the biggest democracy, which is India. India has about six times the population of Nigeria and we are outspending them. And so, um, and Nigeria is also said to have the world's collection of poorest people. About 70% of Nigerians are living below $1 a day. And so when you, uh, for instance, put a presidential form for 100 million um, and a president in Nigeria earns about, um, not up to two, one point something million monthly. Uh, but even just the expression of interest, the nomination form comes to 100 million, which is about $250,000. You can clearly see that there's not a correlation between 
what what you, what people are going to be spending, and that's just to form their adverts, campaigns, consultations. Uh, so you can just imagine what a candidate spends. And then, so you beg the question, is elections, is it really about public service or is it an investment to recoup your finance? And the attitude that we've seen from most uh, politicians is that it's, an, it's a financial venture. People, even the president last, in his last, his first election said that he got a loan to buy the form. And so when you get a loan, a commercial loan to buy form to go into life of service, how do you recoup it back? And so all the monies that candidates are spending for elections, really, now we are going into billions um, just to go into office, supposedly for a life of service. They will have to recoup this money back. We can see that there's no honest means of really recouping this money back. They will even go into some, a lot of kinds of compromises into people taking a look at um, just the structure, the economy, and they start making compromises, make promises, not only for political positions in terms of concessions on on service, services that the, the, the country should be making. So in a way, states, the nation is mortgaged right from the election point. And I, I, I say that how a government will perform, just look at some of the how much people are spending, some of the conversations they are having, the relationships, the concessions. It's like horse trading. Many times they go into office and their hands are bound. They, many of them don't even really have any choice but to do uh, recoup the investment that they themselves, not personally, but also people made on their behalf. So it's not about finance. Yeah. It's now about how do we recoup for this and also prepare for the next elections, right? Someone funded your elections, you are going to empty the state coffers. So... I think there is that link with how expensive our formal and also even just the electionary processes with the high rate of corruptions that you have in Nigeria. If 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 your salary is so low and you are supposed to be really sustaining yourself on your salary and even the formal requirements are so high, you are going to have to think about illegal ways of recouping some of the things that you do. So elections is an investment for people for pecuniary measures. Um, that's just my take on, on elections in Nigeria. Thank you very much um, for that response, Ma. I think for a lot of young people as well, the question for us is how do these many people have 100 million naira to pay for funds? Yeah. Um, so next, I'd like... Um, only to please give us her comments on how she thinks, you know, elections have fueled the cost of um, food corruption in Nigeria. Yeah, thank you, Farami, and thank you, Ekanem. Like Ekanem actually said it, I like the fact what Ekanem said about mortgaging, you know, like it's some sort of like, because you, when you think about um, the fact that I think the focus, like literally uh -huh. you can see it's obvious with the number of presidential declarations that become a joke now and everybody, you know, saying it as somebody has bought a form for them or whatever. Um, it just tells you, like, it's it's a joke because how many people, If it, I think about, somebody said about 23 at the last count. Yeah. I don't know if there are more. So, and this is about 100 million per form. Do you get what I mean? And if you think about, um, if we say the cost of building a hospital, it's about, mm -hmm. they said a standard hospital about 20 million naira. You know what I mean? Yeah. So imagine someone 100 million people, five hospitals. And yeah. that's the way I see this thing. So, and it also takes away, we don't hear the sort of like campaigning because nobody's really campaigning on solid things on there's not that, that conversation is not happening all we're having is people saying you know 
I declare my race, vote for me, if you know what I mean. And and, mm-hmm. and the focus is really on how they're going to get. And that money, that's just one aspect of the cost. So we're talking about the forms. But there's also the vote buying that happens at the primaries, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's also the ones that happen, of course, at the grassroots because, you know, there's there are different levels of vote buying. And so, as I can have said, when they come back to, you know, come into power, of course, what do you think is going to happen? You know, it's going to be like settle the godfathers. Yeah. Said to the boys and the godfathers is beyond there. It's even a huge cause that is not always talked about. You know, things like trade policies, policies that sort of like, you know, this um, protectionist policies that may favor yeah. certain amount of individuals that will be, you know, responsible for importing certain things. All those deals happen at this mm-hmm. time. You know what I mean? Which have, you know, has like a very strong impact on, you know, the economy generally. And sometimes I also ask myself, is it the culture of corruption as it is now? That is also, you know, leading to this high cost. Like, how do they? I feel like it's reinforcing so to some extent. Is it like because, you know, Nigerians, you know, env- you know, we we have a high level of corruption in Nigeria, so which is why all these things are linked in terms of like the, you know, the the, the cost of doing elections in Nigeria is linked to the fact that we are corrupt. And of course, when you go into power, because, you know, you have to kind of recoup the, um, the money spent, you know, and then we mm-hmm. have a vicious circle because. Recouping, recouping means you're sharing the national cake, right? So yes. rather than focusing on investment, you know, for for the public good, we're investing for the person, you know, for our cronies and you know whoever you know possibly help them in there. And 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 I think that's why it's very challenging. That I don't know how we're going to ever move forward in this sort of thing because I've never seen, particularly this year's elections, is amazing how people have come out confidently to say that they can afford you know, a hundred million. So I, 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 if it's other countries already, or I mean, where there's probably stronger institutions or whatever, mm-hmm. I think questions will already be, I think already EFCC is even trying to follow up with some of this, you know, apparently I read something, I don't know how true it is on premium times about, you know, EFCC um, wanting to investigate some of them for money laundering because it's, 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 it's outrageous. So obviously it's, it has a big implication. There's no doubt about it, like different levels from the cost of actually getting the forms from the vote buying that happens, you know, is all part of, and the fact that it actually now makes the campaigning culture about the money rather than the policies and the process. So we can't really hold them to account properly. We can't have a proper conversation, and mm. you know, things like that. So that is to my, you know, to add to what I can, because I can even spoke extensively on on how this falls corruption and and how, like I said, it's you know, the 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 I enter office and then I have to say to the Godfather, I have to say to the party, you know, aides, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. parties who have. And then I have to employ more people in the public service as well, job for the yeah. boys, because I have to have promised things. So it's vicious. And then we have people who are there, not because they are there to necessarily serve the public or they have the right skills to serve the public, but because, you know, it's all linked to this whole, you know, campaign, you know, culture we have in Nigeria. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Oni. And I think we've spoken a lot about the cost of um, the elections themselves and then the cost of the campaigns. But I'd like us to move um, towards vote buying, because vote buying is another reason why elections in Nigeria cost so much. Um, so what do we think can be done to tackle vote buying in Nigeria? Because that affects the everyday, everyday Nigerian. Should oh, I go? Yes, please. Okay. Um, I think we've we've said it. Money is a predominant thing in in our elections now, and uh, everyone knows how the Nigerian economy is. Things are really dire, and so people are selling their mandates, their votes, really for for two cups of rice, a small bag of salt, very basic com- uh, commodities, and and also 
um, even the, the modest amounts of money that you're hearing, you never really hear because how many people can afford when you think of our population and the spread um, is really modest amounts of money. And I think a lot of this is driven not only from economic situation, but also from voter apathy. People feel that governance doesn't have an impact. I think fundamentally, yes, we have laws in place um, against vote buying and laws are hard to implement when things are widespread like this. And so we cannot legislate our way out of this problem. Um, we have to in some way begin that civic conversation, making making a link between selling your vote and insecurity and the bad roads until voters can make that link. We cannot really deal with vote buying. I know biometric technologies has tried to help with that, um, but, but what do you do with someone who's collected money and still goes to vote, uh, the person who really induced him or her to, to vote with the person? So this is one that I think, yes, we do have measures that we are looking policies, structure, but it's a, something that we really have to invest at the individual levels. And you have conversations with people. Uh, at the grass, they will tell you, I would never see this person again. So let me guess what I, I will get. Uh, and it's so there's that that social contract between, you know, the state and the people is completely broken. And so it's for me, it's civic education. People really have to make that link. Uh, and I think that that is the one way, one way to go to, to, to deal with this vote. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, Oni, please. Yes, um, I, can, I totally agree with you. Um, and as you know, that's one of the key things Step Up Nigeria currently works on. We work with children on that, you know, that and young people. And there's this initiative we are starting, um, the First Time Voters Initiative, um, <laughs> which is targeting people, you know, yeah. who are going to be voting for the first time during the election. So we're looking at people between, I think, 17 to 21 at this time, because yeah. people who were not necessarily of voting age, but they've passed voting age now, but, you know, they've now met the voting age. And the idea, just like what Ekanem said, is the education, I think is very important. Yeah. Um, the fact that people need to begin to understand, to, to be able to see election as a social contract, you know, mm -hmm. like the only power that they have, you know, to sort of like, you know, get who they have in power. Um, so, and I think there's a country, Uganda has done something around vote by, you know, educating the citizens, the communities mm -hmm. around vote yeah. by. What, what, what would they are finding? And they did a randomized impact trial to actually see to what extent, you know, civic education you know changed you know people's behaviors around woodbine and they found that what it did was that in that community where they did people it didn't necessarily reduce sorry votes vote selling now mm -hmm. this is on the community side so it didn't necessarily reduce people selling their votes however people took the money and voted who they wanted you know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. what they saw was that from the opposition, I think, you know, at, at that particular election they were doing that for, which they thought it was was a positive thing. So what happened that people actually still voted their conscience, if you know what I mean? And I think the the right party still won, if I could understand what that report was trying to say. Well, not the right party, but the right the party people voted for yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but it didn't necessarily reduce the levels of vote setting. Um, and I think what they were trying to say in that particular trial or research was why it was that civic education helped quite a lot. So I think it's a starting point. And I think at some point, obviously, we'll get, we may get to a point when people actually begin to reject, you know, the the selling their votes totally in addition to voting their conscience. Um, yeah. So I think in places where people don't necessarily, because the thing with vote there in Nigeria now, you know, Nigeria, they always, we always go a step further, a step further to sort of make things a bit more difficult to challenging. When people even try to do that, sometimes you get talks who intimidate you or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. stop you from, um from still you know like voting the your your you know your your conscience yeah. but still it's it's not in all areas but we can make it start because i think possibly 
like you said, like Anem said, if people can have that link between seeing elections as a social contact, seeing it as as, a, as the only tool they have to actually engage yeah. aspiring political, you know, candidates, you know, mm -hmm. around the issues they face in the community, hold them to account and really reject. I remember Step Up Nigeria went to a community in Lagos, and after they watched Halima's vote, this is all part of our civic education program. The young people there, the, the lady, the community leader's child said, ah, if this is you know, what vote buying that she, she always sees this, they called him one name, I don't know whether it's Bongo or somebody, some man that comes to their, you know, village, um, you know, community in Lagos to sort of buy their votes. And he said, ah, she said with this, what she's going to do is going to arrange all the young boys in the village that this next election, they're going to say, you can't enter our village. You know what I mean? So I don't know mm -hmm. how true she's going to implement that. But for us, that was the power, you know, of just that, watching that film, getting the, the, the knowledge from Halima, you know, in Halima's vote around the need to sort of you know reject vote selling, so I think we need a very strong campaign on the need to reject vote selling because there's a limit to which people can, if more people if we can build that collective action, you know, yeah. in various communities, you know, around That's that, it. I think then it's going to be very difficult. If you know what I mean, for you know, how many people are going to bribe, how many people are going to are they going to intimidate? You know yeah. what I mean. So at some point we're going to get there. So I agree, you know, and and I feel we need to really change the norms, set new voting norms. You know, mm -hmm. we reject vote buying, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. That is the new. The new what election, new election norms, you know, that's really focused around electoral integrity and, you know, linked to what, you know, political politi politicians are going to give us. Because I, I, when I see when you when you're in other countries and you see no no country is perfect. Every country has their issues. But mm -hmm. I remember years back, I will never forget this event I had in 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 Scotland where the we had like we had to engage political office aspirants, you know, mm -hmm. around climate change issues. And it really struck me like I want Nigeria to get to that stage where communities, these are the local residents, you know, sat down, you know, highlighting they had their questions and really interrogating those, you know, political party aspirants around, you know, what are you going to do on XYZ? They have questions. That is the sort of, you know, elections we want Nigeria to get to where local communities can be, you know, empowered, can be, you know, to say, no, I'm not, don't, don't, you know. I'm not going mm -hmm. to sell my vote. Tell me, these are the three things. You see, that school, that primary health care clean has not been working for a while. That blah, blah. You know what? That drainage is, you know, affecting us from, you know, doing our trades. You know, we're getting sick, blah, blah, blah. You know, what are you going to do about it? Tell us and, and how are we going to, you know, ensure that you implement that. I think that's the sort of conversation. So I think if we can educate them on the power they have, you know, and give them examples that it can happen. It's happening in other places where, you know, electorates have, electorates have, you know, had that power to sort of hold mm -hmm. their the you know politicians yeah. to account then but we need to show them that example that it can happen that it's actually happened xyz and it can happen here so i yeah. think i think that if we can do that then we'll help to tackle some of the social norms that you know possibly encourage vote selling you know and of course on the other side we always everybody talks about this but i'll just mention this because i don't we i mean many civil society organizations everybody keeps on talking about they need to re re reduce spending limits on election mm -hmm. but you know like i can mm. say we have laws we have policies but mm. implementation is always the thing so we can always say these yeah. nice things you no know, campaign finance reforms i've seen that for many years on every electoral um yeah. you know reform strategy but you know we are here today <laughs> um and nothing has happened so that is why i agree with a kind of civic education i think is the way to go the, at the end of the change happens with the people that's the simple yeah. truth you know and at the, the more nigerians are a, a bit aware on how people only react when they know how things are going to you know impact you know the kind of how things impact on them you know how things um affect their lives and i think the more we, we draw that connection and that's where the role of civil society you know and also you know creating more platforms as well 
you know, between local people in the communities, you know, and some police school officers, parents actually have proper conversations mm -hmm. you know, around what they plan to do when they come into power. You know, let's have proper discussions. And I think that would also help as well, you know, if, you know, to try to at least reduce the incidence of, of vote selling in communities. Can I, can I just add something? Because yes. one thing yes. that we said, I think your initiative of trying to work with youth on vote buying is quite important. You can't start early enough, really. Because mm. if you look in Nigeria, this culture is deeply entrenched. Eh? If you look at school uh, elections, just for positions, the kinds of fancy things they're coming up with, already this culture has trickled down. Um, the promises that they make, unrealistic promises, estate elections, mm -hmm. and you'll be wondering what's going on here. So that that, that that's now um, a, a pervading culture for all kinds it's of elections in Nigeria. Uh, someone shared on Twitter, and this was so impactful for me that his son was in, son wasn't in in secondary school. He was in primary school. Was running for his class uh prefect maybe the head of his class and they were all asked to make a speech and he asked his son just as a i said go repeat your speech to me and the boy had said um all sorts of things including promising them three air conditioners um i would buy you three air conditioners i would do this in one class they just have one wow. space and you know so this little boy who is less than 10 has already invited that i have to induce people in a particular way. And so you see the deep cultural problem that we had. The man was agonizing. Uh, and you say, how did this boy learn this? So I, I really think that is a good initiative for this behavioral changes shift. We need to really start get, catching people very young. Even the conversations among voters is about, oh, this person gave me this. What are you bringing in exactly. for me? When people are going for elections is when they we expect them as voters to to marry for us, pay all sorts of courses. You you lose somebody, and so even the expectations from voters need to change because those people will recoup all those monies when they go back into power. Exactly. No, you're 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 uh, Kalem, You're very right, and you're you're. There's we can't in fact overemphasize the importance of working with young people. You know, which is the yeah. reason why we want to try. You know launch this initiative, I think next month on the first time voters initiative. And we want to try, we don't know, you know what I mean, how it's going to be, but we know that when the little we did with children, and it's, important, it's good that you mentioned that. And I think um, um, I'll give this one example as well, like the flip side of what you've just said. So why mm -hmm. civic education is important. I've always told these stories in many conferences, but I'll say that again, when we went to the very first, I'll give the example of the very first, one of the very first few schools we engaged in 2018. Mm -hmm on, you know, this election was in 2019. Yeah. And so we engaged this school in, in um, Wusetu, you mm -hmm. know, in, on um, um, the public school on vote by Hali, the first time we read Halima's vote. Mm -hmm. And this girl that was in that school, I think her name was Esther at the time. Then she was about seven, I think, obviously she'd be about 10 now. Um, she was one of the people that took part. And then, then we also had this song in the in the book. So that's why it's quite important how you also, is wanting mm -hmm. to do civic, civic education, but how you, I think the use of stories, that's mm -hmm. what we're finding. Because, you know, we had Imams, but actually also it's more empowering. And so we yeah. had that story and we had the song at the end of the book, which says, we know want your rice, we know want your money, wait till yeah. we want now, what are we clean, you know? And I think that also, so that resonated with the girl. And so when on election, just before, the week before the presidential election or something, she said the head teacher told us that there was this truck packed 
in front of their school. And Esther mm -hmm. was amongst other kids playing. And she noticed that they were giving out Indomie, different things. So she ran to Mrs. Um, got in the woman's office, the head teachers, you know, ran to her. She called her mommy, you know, she calls her mommy, 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 even though she's not her mom, you know, but she's like, ah, mommy, 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 tell them to lock the gate, tell them to lock the gates. They are coming to buy our votes. And she was oh. like, what are you talking about? Yes. And she was like, Remember, they told us in Alima's vote, your vote is your power. Let them lock the gate. Tell them to lock the gate. And she, said she was taken aback. She was like, where is this coming from? She said, from the book we read, Halima's vote. You know, and I think that was one of the times Step Up Nigeria knew that we were up to some, we were on to something here. You yeah. know, because we were going for this school uh -huh. engagement. We don't, you know, you don't yeah. really know if it's, you know, that was one yeah. of our first, you know, success, you know, feedback that we've yeah. had in terms of, I wouldn't have known that. It was just, it came random. It's not like the, when it happened, she called us. It was like months after that she told us what happened when we were just having a chat. She's like, oh, actually, this your book is having, you know, and, and she said she was going to take the, the head teacher was going to actually take, because it's normal, you know, they distribute yeah. what's on Indomie rice. But that when the girl said that she was taking her back, she didn't go out again, you know. And that tells you that the power of young people, this is a seven-year-old girl who was able to influence her head teacher who saw that this is what they've told us in that story. And that's why the importance of storytelling as well, you know, mm -hmm. as part of civic education is, is quite important. So you're, you're right. It's something that we want to emphasize more. And I think one of the things I'm, I think I'm happy to also stay here, say here as well, is that Step Up Nigeria has just, um, we've just had um, the AFED. AFED is a low cost, a decision of low cost um, um, schools in Nigeria, so um, that's made up of about fifteen thousand. In fact, they they, they said actually it's more yeah. than that, but conservatively, twenty four thousand. About fifteen thousand schools across thirteen states, but they they claim they're up to twenty four thousand now. So basically, we've now integrated anti-corruption into civic education in their scheme of work. You know, we step up Nigeria, help them to develop. You know, which is going to be implemented in September from September twenty twenty two. You know, and Halima's vote. You know, which talks about vote buying is actually part of the text we're going to use. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of things around free and fair elections. You know, vote buying. Vote buying is actually a topic. You know, in that scheme of work. So I think it's little steps like that. We're excited because it's going to get us to almost three million conservatively yes. about three million children across Nigeria. Yes, because they're going to be teaching them, and you know, as part of the regular subjects is part of civic education. So I think possibly with things like that, you know, we hope and we're going to monitor what impact this is having that will also begin to raise that consciousness, you know, yeah. in a more sustainable way beyond even step up Nigeria going to schools or NGOs going to schools, you know, so yeah. that's one of the, the things as well that we are hoping would help to, mm -hmm. to, 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 to tackle these mm -hmm. social norms that we have, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I would like to um, digress a bit before I ask the final question, because this issue is also trending on, on social media. And I just thought, you know, having experts here, let's also get your buying and opinion on this. Um, we're talking about why elections cost so much. And we know that political parties are a major reason why, you know, that's the that's the mark. That's the cost that it was placed that political parties also fund vote buying in communities. Mm -hmm. And so there's been this rhetoric around how to change you know, electoral corruption in Nigeria, we have to start from the political parties themselves. And a lot of people mm -hmm. are saying the only way to do that is to actually join a political party and reform it from the inside. So I'd like to hear what your thoughts are in terms of is political parties the way to, you know, to reduce this corruption and is joining the existing political parties the way or do we create new parties? So what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'd like to start with Oni. I think that's a, a, very, a tricky one because um, I'm not really, I, I see, I, I totally feel, I agree that they need to reform. We need to reform mm -hmm. You know the the just like linked to what we've just talked about. You know the whole the whole how parties operate really. You know like mm -hmm. I said, a lot of corruption actually happens within the primaries that we don't even know. Like mm -hmm. what I mean is we don't. It's not publicly known unless if you know someone that is really there. So it's not we only hear of the vote buying, the common vote buying that the two thousand. But there's actually deeper deals that happen. 
you know, yeah. within the party primary. So I totally agree that even reforming how the primaries, um, the party primaries work. I think, to be honest, I sort of see the point. If you, if we're really going to change the self system, you have to be in it. I think Dr. Obiezukisili also says something like that, you know, in the fixed politics initiative that that I'm part of. You know, some part of the things they're trying to do, get more Nigerians who, you know, rather than all the maybe talking from outside, actually try to join to reform. I don't know about setting up new party system, but yes, I think that could be a, a starting point. Even the Mostel is also very challenging because people who, if you have integrity, <laughs> you know, and 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 I'm still, I don't have the 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 the, the, the the right, I would say that I have the, I can give you like a very confident answer in terms mm -hmm. of like what the solution could be. But I think that is a good step to actually be in there. But you're right to, to begin to see how you can, you know, make the, the changes. So the more people with integrity who are trying to get in here. But then there's also the flip side, but getting in there to run for office, see the party nomination forms. So where, and that's my challenge. Mm -hmm. This is a vicious mm -hmm. circle. You can't get, you know, young people or mm -hmm. that's one of the mm -hmm. issues with the cost of party mm -hmm. nomination form because there's mm -hmm. lots of people. A lot so of people have, yeah. Yes, it yeah. does because you have to then be either like a very, I don't know, and uh, uh, a dangote or whatever, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. to be able to, mm -hmm. so that then then it, 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 it defeats the point. So and who within that party is going to be formed? I think it's the general mindset of Nigeria wanted to change this at some point, you know what I yeah. mean? And, and, and having people that maybe, I don't know, some people are, even, like I said, things are hard these days. I can't even think of, even if I have a credible candidate and say, let's all donate for this person to run for office. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of of what, what we, you know, practical, not, I don't want to be idealistic here. What's the practical thing? Okay, we have two candidates that we, we think we can support. Let's all rally and, and see. People, people do that in other ways, fundraise. So maybe try to do things a bit more legit, you know what I mean, actually, and start planning for elections. See, election is next year in February. People are just getting the forms. <laughs> what I mean is we're still talking about people declaring mm -hmm. and getting forms. In other places like this, that possibly would happen three years. You start your campaign, you know, enough time, and that probably that's enough time to fundraise. That's enough time, so you can actually fundraise for you know political party aspirants or whatever. But you do it, you know, there's a process, there's a system, yeah. and there's time. You know, people start from one election, they start planning the next election. When Nigeria, we start like <laughs> probably like <laughs> six months of the election because you know we 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 use lots of crooked means, right? So I think, to my mind, I think it's you're right. I think it's is to change things. We may have to start thinking of whether right now you know to to see how we can be in there as well you know get more people who are but then how do they get how do we get a credible person for a presidential you know that hasn't mm -hmm. saw it and one way to get 100 million i don't know um mm. maybe they start at lower levels where there's yeah. no you know what i mean the eyes that could be someone has mentioned that before why not start maybe maybe start with things like you know or something mm -hmm. that maybe that way you start getting there and you're part of the party and like you know gradually you get i don't know that could be something but um yeah it's something what yeah reflecting a bit more maybe probably hear what a can has to say um about that whether we need, people need to yeah, yeah come to join the parties to fix it or whether we can yeah do that from yeah. outside i don't yeah there's there's a popular saying that don't agonize immobilize and and I think that will be my my response to Twitter and this debate. Um, um, the truth is, and let me take it from an unrelated point because uh, the point you made about um, people just buying forms now. Um, you know, governance stops once election comes. If people bought forms three years ago, don't do anything about campaign. Honestly, nothing is going to happen now until the next. Mm. Yes, I agree that INEC should be prepared for the next election yeah. from the one, yes, because of just the logistics of it. But for candidates, it is crazy season now. Nothing is happening now. Yeah. And I can't even imagine this torture for 
two years, three years, you know. Um, but yes, I think it's hard to change the system from outside. Um, and and my own reflection would be, who are the people on the table that thought it was okay to come to a decision for a hundred million? Not mm -hmm. exactly. And so we the the voice of reasons that are isolated. We don't have enough people inside the political party to form a pressure group that uh, can come up with reasonable decisions. Uh, and uh, yes, you, you, we, we all agonize about these decisions that they make, but you really can't really change things without from outside. So maybe we get enough people inside these political parties. You can't win an election in Nigeria. First of all, legally, we don't support independent candidates. Our laws don't support it. You have to be part of um, a political party. And also, you need the structure of a political party. The elections are complex, logistic, like it's, it's, it's really a complex operation. Without that structure, it's hard to even accessibility is a problem. Um, even in times of uh, some of the structures in down to uh, local levels, you actually would really need a party structure. But so we need to get people registered and try to influence some of the decisions that they make. The fact that people came together and thought 100 million was okay shows you that we have we have room people sitting on yeah. that making yeah. decisions. So I think it's time for more people to get in. Not one person that gets in and we celebrate that person, but that person is going to be so isolated. Uh, that it would be hard to make change. And that's what we see. We see people we celebrate from even civil society who yeah. really can't make a difference. I think we should have enough people entering the major political parties and forming like a pressure group within. And that's when we may see some kind of change. True. Yeah. I, 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 think I agree with you, Ekanem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree as well. Thank you very Nigeria much. Nigeria can be quite depressing <laughs> to talk about <laughs> when you begin to talk about the issues. You just don't even know where to sort of like begin to, you know what I mean? What what button to touch? Because sometimes what I don't get me? like... You think last like year was bad. Just, and then the, 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 yeah, the next day touches and you be like, incredible. It's been crazy this year. Like this, I couldn't even believe it when everybody, it became like a joke. Like yeah, even everybody, yeah. and trust my good, what I love about Nigeria is no matter how bad the situation is, we always have that sense of humor. So yeah. I have seen everybody on Twitter now say, I'm also, I hereby <laughs> declare, <laughs> you know, and, and they're right, because it became like a joke. You know, I, I've yeah. never seen this yeah. in my life, like where, like literally, even people that respect, like, I'm, I don't even know who is serious, who is not serious, you know, mm. you know, what's the agenda here? What's going on here? If you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've yeah. never yeah. seen that happen. No, but you so, know, there's also an angle about it being a form of illicit campaign finance, which makes sense. There, yeah. There's a new, a cap to how much you can mm -hmm. donate to a political party. I think it's about, if I remember, not more than oh. one million. I can't remember. But so people say this is fundraising for the party. You have given you a hundred million. Clearly, people who cannot, who know they have no chance in the race, have have given the party a hundred million. Everyone knows I've given a hundred million because when you think about how much, it's incredulous. A cattle rearing group. Is buying a hundred million for no one is asking questions, no one is rice farmers, an unwilling candidate is ridiculous. So people are saying, well, just think about the money the party has raised. True. And I think there's an agenda. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Because it does it's just I've never it's so real. I've never seen this, you know. Yeah, yeah before.
Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I think we'll, we'll end the podcast with some of your top recommendations. Um, what can be done to reduce the cost of elections in Nigeria so that, you know, seeing as it impacts corruption, how can we reduce the cost of elections? Um, so, Mr. Kanem, please go first. Okay, I, I think I will start with campaign financing. Let's look at our laws around campaign financing and the ones that need to be reviewed, reviewed, but even enforcement of these laws. INEC has said over and over again they don't have the capacity to enforce these laws. And there's been on the table an electoral tribunal and commission. Some of the last, from the last elections, INEC has been able to prosecute only 1% of electoral offenders. And so there are no sanctions for this kind of behavior. Can we set and cap campaign finances? Can the right authorities, when people buy 100 million with no clear source of in income, ask? questions, the right question, what is your source of money? So that de-incentivizes people to spend that amount of money on elections. And I also cap, um, you know, campaign spending. You see that it happens in the U.S., although people think of creative ways. I think that's one element of it. And when we think about also the real costs of elections in Nigeria, we should maybe think about how do we reduce the costs um, of elections like INEC, Let's start with our political parties. When we have 90-something political parties, although I hear many are being deregistered, when we are producing costs of election materials, you have to produce for the 90-something exactly. um, parties. And that drives up the cost. So let's can we benchmark? Yes, parties can register, but who are the parties that can take part in elections? That should also mm. be practical cost of elections. And look at things like... Um, even electoral materials that we're printing, we're spending so much millions of dollars printing out. Can we secure these things in a way that is being done in Nigeria to drive down the cost, just the practical costs for elections? Because in a country that many people are going hungry, spending 305 billion exactly. on elections is not justifiable. Honestly, as a country, we have to ask ourselves tough questions around how money we're spending on on elections. And also the candidates, there's also um, the society part of this. I think if people felt that um, yeah. there was some kind of social sanctions around uh, illicit wealth, how you spend it, people are going to ask me questions. Uh, that would be a disincentive also, you know, for people to come in and splash so much money around the election so i think let's let's take it from the policy uh structural but also from the uh societal arm of it to actually drive down the the cost the cost of uh elections in nigeria yeah thank you thank you very much for yeah. recommendations yeah, yeah i agree with economy i think economy said you know the 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 core points i would just add to the point economy had made earlier too as well around also encouraging more reform-minded people to join political parties because she made a salient yeah. point that stuck with me. <laughs> Someone signed up, a group of people sat down to decide 100 million, <laughs> you know, was, the, was what we should have for presidential and 50 million for governor and so on. So I think it's time, like you're right. And I think that's one of the initiatives that Madam Obi is also trying to do with Fixed Politics Initiative is to sort of like get the right help build, you know, like you know, people with the right mindset and, you know, train them or whatever, because they have the School of Polit Politics and Governance, the SPPG, you know, which yeah. is actually geared around that. So prepare people, you know, who want to go into public office so that they go there with integrity, they go there to prioritize public good over personal gain and stuff. I think if we have more, more of those people in parties, you know, in political parties actually running for office, then that would also begin to help people think, you know, like 
reform some of these political parties from, from within. And also I agree with the society part. I think we need to, because that social norms is a very strong thing. It's a very powerful tool. And how we can use it positively, I think, is the thing. How can we change the narrative? How can we begin to, you know, change that norm, you know, where people are like not excited over the, you know, the money changing hands, but mm-hmm. more excited about clear policies, clear guide, you know, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, not just talking, you know, and mm-hmm. also being able to follow through once you come into power, you know, that sort of thing. How can we change, like I said, mm-hmm. that electoral contract? How can we strengthen, we need to strengthen the electoral contract between, you know, the political um, officer, um, political you know, um, aspirant and, um, and the, the you know, citizens. And then I think I would also add, I still think that there's a role for code of conduct bureau here because I was reflecting this morning. Mm-hmm. This, I said, like I just kept on saying, someone, you know, something like some people, yeah, they said somebody bought the form. Okay, let's start investing. Even the person that bought the form or the groups mm-hmm. that bought the forms for certain people, let's sort of have some sort of like, I don't know what is, I can't say whether there's anything on elections and assets um, um, tracing or whatever within CCB at the moment. But mm-hmm. I know that CCB has that law in terms of like, particularly for those people who are already in public office. So there were certain people already, we know there are about 10 ministers or whatever who mm-hmm. have declared, you know, yeah. that's also, there's also sitting governors that have declared interest for presidential races. You know, let's, where, where does CCB come in here in terms of what those people declared? You know, can we use that as well as a tool, if you know what I mean, to sort of like, just ask questions, raise dust. You know, I think we, you know, ruffle people a little bit so that it's not just so easy to say, you know, somebody, you know, they bought form for you, you know, but we have to be, people, there has to be some sort of, I think, people declare, you know, using the asset declaration as a tool as well to sort of, check made some of these practices because I was reflecting I can't really tell you exactly how that is going to but I'm thinking that there's something that can be done there because yeah. if, if the governor has if they really declare their assets when they came into power you know I can never mention what the you know the salary and all that even for the high you know what it could be right yeah and now you're about to run for office you should be able to and if they were doing the asset declaration process you know effectively in terms of I don't know. I think you do it when you first join office and we're about to leave. By now, they should have been, yeah. people should be filling the asset declaration from see what they got and be able to justify how they got where they are. And then if whatever they have completed at the end doesn't tally with even just buying the 100 million, then we have to also begin to ask, okay, how did you, your salary say, so tell us what other income, how come you're able to raise other income when you're not allowed to, you know what I mean? Then just raising that mm-hmm. dust and also publicizing it as well, making it a thing, you know, mm-hmm. I think would also be, be be a way, you know, to whatever. Like I can't so we have many laws, many policies to be honest to be able to checkmate something, but we don't just use it well. I really believe I'm one of I'm a big fan of the asset declaration thing, but we just don't use it because it's quite it's a big tool to check lifestyle, you know, of people in public office, but we don't use it enough. And I think I would recommend that it's something that we should start thinking of how we can use that as well to avoid these sort of situations of um, public office holders, particularly like a CBN governor, for example, for crying out loud, you know, um, <laughs> you know, um, saying farmers, you know, want to know these farmers, that, you know, my farmers could be that rich. So it's all those sort of things. Let's use that asset declaration tool, you know, as well to, to monitor, to check me this, this sort of um, um, election cost in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much to my guests. Thank you, Mrs. O. Thank you, Bekanem. Thank you for um, your time. I think we've had a very robust and interesting conversation just to highlight again for our listeners, today we've discussed how the cost of elections fuel corruption. And some of the recommendations that we've run through today is the importance of civic education, importance of civic participation by Nigerians so that we can reform the structures from the inside. We've also dis- discussed the importance of strengthening the social contract between politicians and the people. Um, and why we need to enforce legislation. Just to add, you know, we think about how the constitution in Nigeria is clear about who can run for public office. And People like ministers who know 
that is illegal still went ahead to declare. And then the president now had to release a statement to say those who are running have to. It's a brazen abuse of the rule of law. And it just it's why the importance of strengthening um, the, the laws is very, very important if we hope to um, bring about any change. So um, we hope that our listeners would have gotten some new voting norms by listening and be encouraged, you know, to act with integrity in the coming elections and just um, to herald and protect their votes. So. We encourage everybody to vote in the coming elections and to play their role in um, building the Nigeria that we all desire. So thank you very much for your time. Um, thank you, Jeremy. Thank, thank you for you. having thank you. Host. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation about how the cost of elections fuels corruption in Nigeria. Remember that you can be the change. Change happens with people and be a part of the people with integrity that are trying to change the way things are done in Nigeria. Please do not forget to follow us on social media, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at step underscore up underscore Nigeria and follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn at Step Up Nigeria. On YouTube, you can also follow us at um, Step Up TV. Subscribe to our channel. That's where the video of this podcast will be aired. And our podcast is Step Up Nigeria podcast on all podcasting platforms. To find out more about the work that we do, please visit our website at stepupnigeria.org. Our guests for this podcast were Oninye O and Ekanem Basi. Please follow them on social media as well. Thank you so much for your time and for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until the next one, goodbye. <laughs>